Welcome to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts. I'm your host, Doug Peters. Along with me today from the Zamboni Company is Marty Elliott. Today, we're going to be talking about the Wake Competition Center, which is the new practice facility for the Carolina Hurricanes. Our guest on today's episode is Michael Baxter, the Vice President of American Sports Entertainment Centers, and Michael Grabowski, the Operations Manager. Welcome, gentlemen, and thank you for joining us. Nice to be here. Thanks for having us. It is our pleasure. It is our pleasure. I'm wondering if uh, you guys could take us on a verbal tour of your new facility as it's just brand new, opened up, and trying to get everything open to the public with the world we live in these days. Uh, so it's a it's 115,000 square foot building that sits on like a 36 acre piece of property that houses um, a, a volleyball facility, which is its own separate building, gymnastics facility, um, a gym. Those two businesses are in the same building and like an orthopedic office. We have two large turf lit soccer fields um, as well, too. And then the ice rink building. So that's kind of the entire property that's here. Um, out of that 115,000 square feet, 12,000 is dedicated to the NHL team uh, themselves, where they've got their locker room, medical offices, video equipment, storage, kind of everything that way. Um, and then the rest of the building, it's a twin sheet facility. Uh, the side that the Hurricanes practice on, it seats about 1,000 people, uh, standing room for probably between 1,500 to 2,000 in total. Um, the second rank is, uh, seats about 450 people um, and both would be used by obviously a wide variety of different events and stuff like that. Um, the very easily named the Hurricanes colors are red and black so they are the red rink and the black rink. Um, there wasn't too much thought put into that there um, but the facility itself it's two floors um, the front of the building we're gonna have a restaurant uh, that'll be inside of here um, we have a pro shop run by a local group that we work with at other locations uh, called Five Hole Sports. Um, we have a junior hockey and our largest youth hockey group that are in the area, both under the Junior Hurricanes uh, kind of title um, that will both kind of be housed out of here. Um, the junior team has some private locker rooms upstairs for their team. Uh, the youth team more has a dedicated workout space for them to do uh, player development type stuff and things like that. Um, it's an eight locker room, two officials room, one auxiliary locker room facility. Um, as we get to the back of the building, we have two, or excuse me, three private locker rooms upstairs that aren't tied to those organizations we had already talked about. Um, Duke University as a club hockey team, they will have a private locker room here. North Carolina State University as a club hockey team. They will have a private locker room here. Um, and then the Junior Hurricanes do have a girls premier program, which is like a 19U uh, girls program that's also housed out of the building here. Um, that's kind of everything that's on like the hockey operations and, you know, that type of standpoint. Outside of that, we have about 4,000 square feet upstairs that's dedicated to a sports specific school. Um, that's called Accelerator School. Um, it's helped run by the junior program that's inside of the building. Uh, they offer on-ice programming every morning as a part of their program, and it's actually originally a soccer-based school. Um, so part of their clientele goes outside and is on the soccer field in the morning and then end up uh, with the hockey kids inside, and then they go upstairs and do school from like 11 to 4 each day. Um, to me, it's similar to like an IMG type of an idea. It's a sports academy type of a day. Um, and they take a lot of the space that's upstairs. 
That's awesome. That seems to be a bit of the trend across the country with uh, um, some of the facilities. I've got a couple of questions for you guys with regards to the facility and it being the practice facility for um, the Hurricanes. I, I visited a few other NHL buildings that are practice buildings. Have you guys built in a lot of the amenities uh, that would be there, like the stadium seating and what kind of uh, cooking capabilities do you guys have in there? Do they have their own chef that comes in and cooks for the players these days? So the rink that they practice on, on the red rink, um, it's not so much stadium seating. It's it's one single side where it's about nine rows, and that's where it seats about that 950 to 1,000 people. Um, outside of that, I mean, in the way of like food facility type stuff, they have their own kitchen area inside of the Hurricanes do, inside of their area. Um, but the the group that's going to be running the restaurant that's on the front part of our building, um, they run a couple of uh, like sports bar type businesses already in the Raleigh area and have a seafood restaurant um, in one of the outlying burbs. But the guy who is their head executive chef was the executive chef at PNC for a decade, right? So he has a fantastic relationship with the Canes. And I think a big part of the idea would be that he would be helping them a lot with their food and beverage needs throughout the day whenever they have events or practice or anything like that as well too. I, I did make myself clear enough on like stadium seating. I was wondering about that for like a video room. Um, they, they've set up at Pittsburgh and down in Florida I've seen where they've got a room that's almost like a mini theater that uh, the coaches use and the players get to uh, sit back and are in comfort while they're watching the coach explain what they did either right or wrong. Um, were you able to incorporate a feature like that into your facility? They had most of the design um, thoughts when it got into their 12,000 square feet. Um, they do have a video room inside of there. It does not have stadium seating or anything like that at all, um, but they do have a video review room that's right off of the coach's office. Great. Um, one other thing I'm always fascinated based on the fact that the cost of a hockey stick these days is pretty pricey. Do you guys have a vault or a locked area that uh, the Canes use to put their hundreds of thousand dollars worth of sticks in, or is that just something that they bring in and out of the building as need be? Their 12,000 square foot area is separated off of ours. Um, so like the only two people that are inside of this building that have keys to get into their side of the world are Mike and myself. Um, other than that, they have their own exterior access where they can get in for their players and their staff and everything like that. So all of their equipment, their gym equipment, everything that's in their, you know, kitchen area, their locker room, everything like that is all locked up on their side. It's not something that even our staff really has access to. Mike and I just do from running the building. Now, how long did it take to put um, this package together to get them to to tie into moving from their old facility into becoming, uh, I, I'm gonna guess, somewhat of a partner for you guys in this new project. I mean, help, we were already partners with them. So we ran their, um, so Jeff, who's not on this call, but who is the, the main owner and developer of this project, he owned the building that we abandoned that they used to be at us with, which was Raleigh Center Ice uh, in pretty close to the middle of downtown Raleigh. And that was the Canes practice facility, and it has been since the early, I don't know, early 2000s, probably my best guess. Um, it was a much older building. It was a building that was repurposed um, to become an ice rink, so it wasn't really built ground up. The Canes only had 5,000 square feet over there. 
it was much older, right? So it was a, a vision that kind of both groups had together to bring a larger ice rink just for our hockey and skating community to this area anyway, and was something that the Canes definitely needed as well too, to make sure, you know, and be on par with the rest of the league. Our company, um, obviously Doug, you know Brad, right? So we have stuff out West as well too, and we run the Kings training facility and the Lakers training facility out in LA, right? So, I mean, you see what those have, and this is much more on par with that than what they had with us at the Raleigh facility. That's great. Now, did the other facility go away or is that still going to be uh, ice rink? It's going to go away. Um, it It's an older building that sits on a piece of property that it likes to flood. Um, which is fantastic. Um, so uh, it's kind of a net gain of one sheet for us in the area, uh, taking out a single sheet facility and then injecting a twin sheet into the area um, was kind of the, the plan the whole time. Great. Well, maybe it could be a swimming pool if it uh, if it floods regularly. That's always a challenge when you're dealing with ice and you get water where it's not supposed to be or where you don't want it. Um, you talked about the community. How, how is the the community, uh, hockey community, skating community in the area, how have they embraced the new facility? Uh, even though you guys probably not too far into uh, being open to the public, how has that been taken by the community? They've been tremendously excited for a while. We wish more of them could see it right now because we right, can't exactly. let very many people <laughs> in, um, right? But I mean, it's been something a long time coming in this area. I've been working in the ice rink world in Raleigh since 1999. Um, and Mike's going to have to give me his exact uh, year. 2004. 2004. So, I mean, we've both been around to be able to see a lot of it. Um, when I first started in 99, there were two facilities, two sheets of ice in total in the Raleigh market. And now there are five facilities, seven sheets of ice. Um, and it really grew from a neither Mike nor I are from here and everybody who played was not from here. And now there's a lot of homegrown um, as to, you know, what's actually down here then now Mike coaches uh, youth travel hockey down here. We used to coach some really young age groups together and whatnot. So the, the community is, they're very excited because it's the first facility that was really thought about from a tournament standpoint, from really bringing down our youth programs are now on a map that they want to be able to attract really good competitive levels to come down here. And part of it is to have the facility to be able to do it, right? And host large scale events and things like that as well too. So um, they're excited. We just want to get them in the door when we can. <laughs> sure, and that, that seems to be the challenge. I feel um, it, it's a tough time for people opening up new facilities. You guys aren't the only ones that are gonna be faced with this. and. Uh, it certainly is a challenge. Now, I, I've been down to Raleigh on a few occasions, and uh, did you, did, did the company Brad has, did they acquire Jerry Hart's former facility, or is that a different uh, entity that has that building? So uh, the company that Brad um, is associated with, that American Sports uh, Entertainment Center's company, they acquired the three facilities that Mike and I were affiliated with, which were in Cary, North Carolina, Garner, North Carolina, and Wake Forest back in late 2008. And then we were all working together for a long time, and we acquired the Canes practice facility, RCI, in like spring of 2016. 
and then Jerry Hart's facility uh, very much at the end of 2017. Yeah, 2017. Um, so there were a couple other independent operators that were in the area. Um, they weren't anything mean like hostile takeovers or anything like that. Both groups were, you know, kind of having a tough time uh, making ends meet and having things work. And with the way that we were able to kind of run a regional program anyway, it had a good fit. We were able to uh, kind of assimilate them into the way that we operate things right now and um, have been running them that way ever since. Well, that's great. It's nice when you can have continuity and get everybody on the same program in a marketplace uh, so that there's not somebody trying to run something ridiculous on pricing to make it uncomfortable for everybody. Uh, do, do you guys have any plans for additional facilities um, or maybe not necessarily ICE uh, to add to your portfolio uh, in and around where you're at? We've, I mean, during the last couple of months, <laughs> right, everything is, you know, kind of comes under a microscope. Um, to see what works and what doesn't. Um, we already knew, I mean, we were at a point where bringing this facility online and adding another sheet of ice to the area made sense this year. Um, it's going to be harder to fill now, right? So if there's anything else on the horizon, it wouldn't be for a while. Um, but we had some other like soccer facilities. We have some sports facilities that do soccer, basketball and stuff like that up in like the New York area. We had a soccer facility out in the uh, LA area and stuff like that as well too. Um, nothing that's really on the horizon right now. We're typically not a company that's a big builder of new buildings. We kind of take over ones that are underachieving, um, you know, and somebody just decides that they would rather not fight the fight anymore um, and have us kind of come in and use what we know to be able to make them successful. So anything brand new right now? No, this is the first addition of ICE to the Raleigh area since 05. Um, so it's been a long time coming and now it's just going to be kind of a one sheet net add um right now so nothing else in the near future do you uh, folks um see the marketplace continuing to be able to grow in north carolina i, I know betman uh mr betman with his plan uh for hockey in the united states south of the mason dixon line has seen some marketplaces do well some places uh maybe struggle a little bit but i think overall it's been uh, a pretty strong success do you think that your marketplace is under um, undersized as far as the need for ice sheets? Do you think that this is going to continue to grow? I think it will. Um, I don't know that we were really undersized or we didn't have too many ice sheets or anything like that then either. Um, you ask some customers and if they can't practice at 6.45 p.m., then we need to build another ice rink. That's the way it goes. Um, but from what the utilization was and how they operated, I think we had a pretty good number it's always going to kind of get uncomfortable those last couple of years before a new place comes online because you need to have that critical mass before it makes any financial sense to bring more online. Um, but when we've been there the last couple of years. Um, I do the ice scheduling for all of our facilities and it's a very large jigsaw puzzle um, to get it kind of going. But growth wise in this area, I mean, we have a phenomenal relationship with the Hurricanes and the program that the NHL had kind of sponsored, which is that first goal program that really kind of gets people in super low price point, puts them in gear. It's taught by NHL alum and the whole nine yards. We've been partnering with them for, it's probably three or four years now. And it's just a phenomenal program. And it's helped us tremendously be able to grow people in. I mean, Mike was our original youth hockey director when we took over taking kind of youth house over. 
in that youth house league went from I think 450 or 460 participants in the fall and that was back in like 2013 um, that this past season when we didn't have to worry about COVID yet um, we had capped out over 900 some odd participants just in our house league that doesn't involve our adults which there's upwards of almost 3,000 adults that play hockey in the Raleigh market um, nor does that include all the travel players right so I mean it's it's been growing and it's been growing tremendously in the last decade um, and our hope is to make it continue going that way we'd love to have to build another building or do anything like that if numbers told us we needed to right how is girls hockey uh, expanded or is that something uh, that is not maybe as popular down your way as it is in other parts of the country I think it's moving in a good direction and I'll let Mike kind of chime in with some of this part as well too because he deals more with travel hockey than I do as well too a lot of the time. Um, it was segmented in our area for a long time right where we had two large competing youth travel organizations that both tried to buy for it. Those two organizations combined last year which makes it a lot easier for there to be one steady voice for girls hockey and it kind of allows it to grow where it's they have a good relationship on the young ages where you put groups of girls teams together, they practice together, and then they play against our house league teams. And then as they get older, you know, we have a 14U AAA girls team this year, right? There's a 16U AA girls team this year. There's that 19U AA team that, I mean, with the facility that they've got here with their own private locker room, they're doing billeting the same way a junior program does and everything like that. Um, so, I mean, it's seen steady growth as well, too. Probably, I wouldn't say the last decade, I'd say more the last couple of years as things have kind of come together a little bit better. I would definitely say there's a, a larger focus on girls-specific hockey within the last three, four years, in my opinion, on yeah. for our area. Great. Thank you very much. I'm going to lob this over to Marty to have him ask a few questions uh, about the back end of the building and uh, the challenges you might be facing there across multiple facilities. Sounds Thanks, good. Doug. Thanks. Hey, guys, how you doing? Super well. Super well, well, well. So, <laughs> Michael Grabeski, your operations manager, you're probably more in charge of the ice maintenance team that uh, operates within uh, your facilities, I would take it? That is correct, sir. All right, all right. So, I uh, noticed uh, our brand manager put out a, a photo of the new Zamboni. Was that you on the Zamboni, Mike? Driving that was it? me on the Zamboni. You got to take the maiden voyage, right? <laughs> he really exactly. likes it. Yeah, I'm a big fan of that, by the way. Fantastic. So, I mean, you have uh, many different tenants uh, based on your initial conversation uh, from the under 19 uh, uh, AA girls. You got uh, some uh, Division Three uh, university squads coming in. And of course, you've got your uh, main tenant, the Hurricanes uh, practice facility. How are you guys managing the expectations of the uh, of the ice, uh, the way the players want to see it? I mean, you always shoot for the best, but I mean, uh, and I'm I'm up here in Canada, and and I look after SBA, Scotiabank Bank Arena, and work with their uh, squad. And you got different players and different tenants. Uh, they they all have different expectations: surface temp, softness of ice, all this kind of stuff. How are you guys managing that, Mike? You said first. Okay, so I would say obviously it would. With that regard, we're definitely more concerned with what the, the big club wants is the Hurricanes, um, kind of going off of what their feedback is on the, the surface temp, um, softness and how hard the ice is and things like that, whether it be dew points and things like that that we can adjust in the building, just trying to make sure that we keep them happy and then kind of everyone else kind of falls in after that. 
And with having the sheets as well, Marty, right? I mean, the two sheets will be run a little bit different, whereas the black rink that has, uh, it's not where the Canes would practice. It's not where the junior team practices. It's not where the college teams practice or play. Um, that rink could be run at a little bit of a higher temp, right? Because it's going to have more of your figure skating and, you know, your recreational right. skating stuff on it as well. Um, we did have, we had a group out of Michigan who actually did the install here uh, called Service. And we yep. do have an intelligence system um, that's back in the back where you've got three separate set points, like a hockey, a figure skating, or whatever else. And it can be set on a schedule basically every 15 minutes, a half hour, as to if we wanted to change it around, right? So that's that's nice. actually something we've been playing with right now, um, just because, I mean, when they had first brought in, they did a CalMac pipe system, right, with a center ice header. Um, yep. And you're just trying to figure out, like, what's the ice temp and, you know, what's the, how does your sub temp actually do anything to what your surface temp's going to be? And, you know, kind of how it translates and how warm the building is. This is a much bigger building than most of the others we have. Mm -hmm. um, have another twin that's in Wake Forest, but it's inside of like a mall facility. So oh, okay. three of its walls aren't exterior, right? So while it's a big building and it's got a, probably about the same height ceilings as it does here, oh, yeah. you don't have to deal with nearly as much direct sunlight or anything like that transfer and heating side. Um, so the first little bit as we're doing it, it's kind of just a couple events a day just to see if someone's going to blow out a huge rut or if a figure skater is going to jump and blow out a huge hole um, just to kind of figure out what's going to be best for everybody. And then we'll start setting the schedule when we get into the fall season and stuff like that. Right, right. Are you guys using any sort of uh, water purification like an RO system? We are not currently. Okay. Something you guys are going to look at? We'll I, I asked, yeah. Sorry, go ahead. Well, we'll take a look at it a little bit. I learned a little bit... Um, uh, about a year ago, we hosted a uh, a curling event at one of our facilities in Raleigh, and it was an international event. So they had a huge group of like six guys that came in and like a whole ice crew and whatnot. And they used a bunch of DI water um, and everything right. like that. They came in, so learned a little bit about it then that way as to you know just quicker freeze and things like that as well too. We're reasonably lucky in the area. We have a pretty decent groundwater, right? Because like even PNC, they did use it right away. And they got away from it because it seemed to not make a lot of difference. Um, they were spending a lot of money on purifying water when it didn't need to be purified that much. So okay. it's not something that we've had to do too much of or play around with, um, at least at any of the other buildings that we have. So That's good. It sounds like you guys, uh, based on your plants, uh, refrigeration plant, uh, I would take it your surface temps based on an IR system? uh it's infrared right now, we more take it ourselves right i mean and it's just off of the the subsystem as to what's flowing through the actual barrel itself as to where our set point is and then we're just kind of taking a look at throughout the year and how long it sets up and you know right now with covid there's more time in between events so when you do that right it translates different right it's what you always want from an operational standpoint you cut and people don't jump on it right away when it's wet which is great right whereas in a normal world you cut the ice and before you have the doors closed six kids are already out on the ice wheeling around so you know just we want to see how that goes i mean obviously right now we have the set point at 15 you come in the next morning surface temps at 15 right you know so how that translates throughout the day and as it gets warmer um probably the biggest thing we're getting used to is this is the first dehumidification system we've had that is deals off of dew point instead of relative humidity everything right. else add i mean they've all they're all desiccant systems right but this one is um setting that relative humidity point which has a ton to do with the temperature in the building 
which is right. variable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that great lead into my next question: How you folks are dealing with your humidity? I've been in uh, in North and South Carolina a fair amount over the years, and uh, you definitely have the humidity that we deal with here in Southwestern Ontario. So it sounds like you guys are uh, you have a plan in play uh, for uh, dealing with humidity issues. We have two different arid ice, so we have two independent arid ice desiccant systems that are up there um, that can be kind of cross-valved should one go down or do maintenance or whatever it is. Um, so we can keep the two rinks at different temperatures to begin with. I think the biggest thing that we're trying to figure out, you kind of want you want to figure out where that dew point can sit because your humidity is then the highest when the building's the coldest in the morning. And right. then even as you get warmer, it's actually getting drier if your dew point sits steady the whole time, right? So right. Yep. It's like, what what's the dew point that you can walk into the building and not have condensation, knowing that it's just going to get drier throughout the day, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, so that's that's been a little bit, and of course we brought this facility online in July <laughs> in North Carolina, so it's hot. It's humid. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks, right? So. Yeah. I'd rather be on the golf course than then inside the rink uh, watching the windows uh, drip. Exactly. So yeah. that's, that's probably been the biggest thing for us to get used to is just that's a little bit different. We're munters, desiccant everywhere else, and they're just, you know, set your relative humidity somewhere in the mid 50s up to 60 and kind of go. Um, so this has just been a little bit of a more of a learning curve that way. So, Doug, uh, based on what the Mike and Mike talked about just now, um, they're definitely a candidate for Fast Ice version 2. I'll leave that with you, my friend. <laughs> Anyways, um, uh, a couple other questions on operations. Mike, uh, give us a little bit of background uh, uh, yourself and the team that's going to be uh, working with you as far as maintaining the, both uh, black and uh, red. Which Mike? You want, Which Grabowski, you want Grabowski, Mike? Krabowski, Mike, he's uh, operations manager. No disrespect, Mr. Baxter. <laughs> uh -oh, I'm super thrilled to sit here and shut up. <laughs> yeah, that's hard for you to do. It is. Um, so like Baxter had said earlier, I started in the rink business in the uh, Raleigh area in 2004. Um, been working at a, a number of the different facilities we have in the area since then in a lot of different capacities. I've run adult league, I've run youth hockey leagues, uh, I was a building GM for a while, um, and I was uh, excited when this opportunity to, to work on the facility side of things for the new Canes practice facility came, came online. Um, so right now we've got a few of our other operations gentlemen that help out in a, a few of our other facilities coming over to help out with doing the ice maintenance and driving and getting things set up. And we are in the process of building actually our, our core group of drivers and operators that we're going to have out here on the operations side. So, And the other thing I was going to mention to you, Mike uh, Grabowski, um, with the new machine, if you haven't been on our website, the resources that we have available, the videos, the training videos, I'm sure you've uh, uh, been on the machine a lot yourself. And, and there's a little bit of a change, but uh, depending on who your, uh, who your uh, team is that's coming on board, great tools to uh to uh feed yourself uh with and to your new staff uh moving forward so i encourage you to take a look at those um on that note doug i'm gonna throw it back to you my friend great thanks marty thank you for the questions for them um one of the questions i'd like to ask you guys are you guys using any monitoring systems uh for any of your controls in the building like do you, do you have something that you can control the lights through an app on your phone do you have anything that uh, you're monitoring refrigeration uh heating cooling systems uh at present refrigeration we will they actually haven't come down to finalize that exact system yet but that intelligent system that sits in the back 
um, it is wired into the internet so that Mike and I will get notifications if there's an issue with a pump or if there's issues with a temperature set point or anything like that at all, uh, just more to notify us than that way. And we can also change set points remotely um, in the way of just changing the, um, the system itself in the way of like ice set points and things like that. Um, other monitoring, I mean, automated type stuff with lights, not really. Um, they're just all LED high bays over top of the, all the ranks and we just have multiple um, switches to be able to control what we want on and off. Um, the, all the air quality systems, obviously, that are inside everything now, when you come with a new desiccant um, or a new dehumidification system where it's got CO, CO2, NO monitoring and everything like that, and it's all automatically tied into those air handling systems so that, I mean, we have a button down below to do an air purge for 15 minutes if it was an issue. The sensor will do an automatic air purge if it's an issue and whatnot. Um, you know, so all that stuff is kind of automated um, and able to be uh, remotely controlled from an ice plant standpoint, but that's about the extent of it currently. Yeah, where I was going with this is I, I know that it's easy for me to spend OPM, other people's money. Uh, one of the items that we've developed recently, and I, I view it to be um, just about uh, the same as a board brush or wash water system is Zamboni Connect. And what, I don't know if you guys are familiar with it or not, um, but what it does is it enables you to monitor the machine's performance and its operation from outside the building. And I use the old uh, story of when I was a kid, my dad worked for the North Stars and spent a lot of hours in a building because he had to be there to monitor things. With Zamboni Connect, you're able to do it. And one of the things I've learned from Marty in, in trying to promote this product is that it really works as a training tool. We did a podcast with um, Matt Mendelson and his staff from the Coyotes down in uh, the Scottsdale area, um, some of the facilities there. Uh, they've got this on their machines and they've found it to be a very useful tool to train the operators uh, to to judge how things are going. And then they're also using it uh, if they get complaints from user groups. Uh, to take a look at, um, they said, oh, there's too much this, there's too much that. If the the water uh, is consistent from one resurface to the next, they can say, well, this is what we put down on a prior sheet of ice, and that was okay, and this is what we put down on this one. So um, something maybe, again, it's real easy for me to spend Brad and your guys' money, but uh, something <laughs> maybe down the road uh, you might want to consider taking a look at to, to make your lives easier and, and be more automated, because through a click of an app on your phone or a tablet or your computer from off-site, you'd be able to monitor. You'd be, you'd be, at, be at the beach like uh, the other gentleman uh, that yeah. uh, Jeff was supposed to be, so you could, he could watch how you're driving the machine. So, um, A little big brother there, Doug. It's a little big brother, buddy. It, it, it's a little. It's a little. Um, but it's, it's really a useful tool in um, not so much to try to catch somebody doing something, but to just be consistent. And I think that that's probably one of the big challenges that uh, ice rink uh, owners and operators are faced with, and especially down your area. How many people really know what an ice resurfacer is? So Mr. Hubowski uh, was the general manager at our facility in Garner for a long time. Okay. And we would, our Olympia back then wasn't a Zamboni, I apologize. That's okay. <laughs> we would take our Olympia and drive it down the road in the Christmas Day parade. Christmas parade. And Mr. Grabowski would always be the one on the Zan or on the Olympia and driving down the street. And all every kid would say, "Why is a street sweeper in the Christmas?" <laughs> um, every single time. Oh, <laughs> year after year. Hey, look, it's a street sweeper. <laughs> it's funny when you you talk about that. We'd go to 
the American Public Works shows in the past, uh, the southeast part of the states. It, it's a different marketplace. Uh, what kind of differences do you guys see as far as how your ice sales go? Because that's basically what you're you're in the business is to sell your product, which is ice. How do you guys see that as different from other parts of the country that you have? I know you guys have got a facility up in New York State. Um, how is it varied down what you guys have to do versus what other people do? So the biggest difference, and we talk about it a lot, um, like Brad kind of runs the West Coast for us, who you know Brad, a gentleman named Dean kind of runs the Northeast, and then I kind of run this area down here. The biggest difference is, you know, up in New York, you're fighting for market share right? You want people to come use your building instead of others. Same thing in California. There's actually a lot of ranks that are out there between the Kings and the Ducks and a bunch of the other groups as well too. Here, it's just grow the market, period, right? I'm not trying to take customers from anything else other than I'm trying to take them so that they don't play some other sport than instead, right? You know, that's that's all that it really is. So in our area, we even though we're a Southern market, I mean, there is a tremendous amount of transplants um Grabowski's from Rhode Island I'm from just outside of Chicago um and between IBM and Nortel everybody and their cousin you know was down from Toronto and New York and things like that um you know kind of in the 90s and the early 2000s but the people that are down here now when there's less of that it's building people that wouldn't typically be a part of this right so it's starting them completely ground up it used to be adult league players would come in because they'd move and then you'd get all your influx that way and now it's adult learn to play classes and youth learn to play classes with people that have never touched it before or even harder for the kids is a parent who knows nothing about it at all and getting their kid involved right and going from there and it's not something that the parents familiar with at all now it was funny with asec when they came in and they took over the uh our rinks in our area in 08 so the canes went to the cup finals in 09 and then for the next 10 years did absolutely nothing, right? So, you know, the resurgence of them has been phenomenal as well. Like I said, three, four years ago, we started to get, you know, a little bit of groundswell with that first goal program that they did with us, but then now them being relevant, you know, some of the really exciting players that they've got with, you know, a lot of the younger guys on their team, kids get interested, right? And people just wanna be around it, which is fantastic. Well, you coming from Chicago, you know what that had to do to the marketplace when uh, Taves and Kane came about and the Blackhawks. You might want to say that that town up there is a Bears town, but I, I've always it's a, believed it's a that it's a Blackhawk. Yeah. Well, it was a Cubs. Cup. But, but I look at it and go, I think, and I said before they won a cup, I said, whoever is able to put a cup in that town uh, because of Bobby Hull and the history that they had, it, well, Part of it is I'm biased. I'm a hockey guy. Um, I, I thought they could walk on water uh, in that town, and they, they really did. Um, well, before, before Taze and Kane had gotten there, Grabowski and I went up to one of the NARS conventions that was actually in Chicago that year. In Rosemont, you bet. Yep, and we were up there, and we had actually we were visiting a buddy of ours that lived up kind of near Wrigleyville and whatnot. It was playoff hockey time period, right? And we couldn't get a hockey game on the TV and it was nothing baseball season. It was like game two of the Cubs season, right? And you couldn't get a hockey game on the TV at all, right? So it's amazing how much it changes. And it's the same thing then down here, right? Where even just being in the building right now, there's 20 people in here today and everybody, all they wanted to know when they came in at 11 o'clock was could I get all the games on the TVs, right? To yeah. watch the game, which is great, right? And that's all that we really want. 
Marty, you had a, a another question or two that you wanted to throw out at the, the lads here. Yeah, talking about uh, uh, business and uh, new tenants, um, I know it's becoming very popular in uh, in your marketplace, uh, central and uh, north uh, northeast, uh, where you guys over in uh, Raleigh. Curling is curling uh, going to be plans as far as having uh, local uh, the Raleigh Curling Association, or do they have a designated uh, curling facility already in your marketplace in Cary or in another spot? Yeah, so when Mike and I, uh, when ASEC came in in 08, I took over our facility in Wake Forest when he went down to Garner and the curling club was an arena club at that right. point with me up in Wake Forest, right? So mm -hmm. they just were with us and whatnot. And I mean, that 2012 Olympics, was 2012 the one when it was in Canada, was in like Vancouver? 2010. 2010? So like yeah. right away in 2010 when, I mean, curling got some of the most primetime television I had ever seen curling get. And you had the Canadian skip lady who was kind of cute and everybody liked putting her on TV as well too. Um, but we probably had, the joke we had was we had more incident reports from three months of open curling sessions because people tried to come in and curl and fall down, um, oh. right? But they're, they probably swole to three times their size, right? In that, yeah. and then by about 2012, they had gathered enough mass that they have their own dedicated facility in Durham. It's actually pretty close to where we're at now. It's mm -hmm. maybe a 20 minute drive to get from here to the Triangle Curling Club that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, they wanna grow as well too, right? They have a, you know, it's a prefab building that's got four lanes that's inside of it. Um, and that's why it was great to also have the event that we had, it was the Curling Night in America event this past summer, summer of 2019. Um, they have a great relationship with the curlers and whatnot, and it was great that they had their own facility, but if they ever want to come to us to grow more, have a different footprint, right, we've got more locations to grow more people for that sport. Yeah, that's uh, that's great feedback. I mean, it's an opportunity because they do want to grow it. And I mean, a brand new facility like uh, what you've, uh, you folks have uh, put in place with that footprint. Uh, I mean, all curlers love to curl at nine o'clock on Friday nights. I'm not sure what kind of men's league, beer leagues you have coming in there Friday nights but uh, there might be some open spots for uh, your local curlers to uh, come curl. That's all I got, gentlemen. Back to you, Doug. Great, thank you. It's interesting, uh, the discussion on curling. I was fortunate enough to meet the skip. Uh, I think that, and I don't know the terminology all that well. Marty's much better at it than I am because he's Canadian and that's what they've got to tie their Olympic hopes to, uh, unlike the Americans who, uh, who like to play their hockey game. But um, the it's amazing how that's grown. I've tried it a couple times. I uh, am to the point in my life where I don't think I'm going to do that again because I learned about muscles that hadn't been used for a while. Um, and is it become big corporate-wise? A lot of people have found that that's uh, been something like instead of the Christmas party, the typical Christmas party, that people get together and do that at the facilities. Do you think that that's going to catch fire for you guys? Yeah, we didn't have a ton of it when it was an arena club with us, but talking with the group that runs the curling club with their facility out there, I know corporate outings is a large part of their business model, especially during the day, during the week, right? If you can get, you know, they're right out in the middle of Research Triangle Park. So there's, you know, IBMs and the Lenovo's and all these big companies of the world where, yeah, they can bring a bunch of people out and do that as team building. Definitely a bigger thing for them with curling than even for us right with skating right um you know it's a more social you know type of thing than people skating around and a lot of people are scared to get on ice skates if they're never done it before and they're in their 40s and 50s and 60s right so uh, they definitely do see a lot of the swell from 
uh, corporate events out there with their sport. Yeah, I, it's it's something that's very entertaining. It's I, I joke about it. It's kind of like uh, when I was a bowler in another lifetime when I was young. You go bowling to be social and to drink, and curling I think is like that, and maybe similar to ice fishing. You go, you hang out, you have a few beers, and uh, enjoy the time. Um, we're getting to the end of our time, and it's great that I've got a Chicago guy here because one of the the hooks that I have with this is that I like to talk about food. I'm a bit of a foodie, and I've uh, enjoyed when I was down for the All-Star game a few years ago, and I'm trying to remember, maybe you guys can help me out, uh, there was a restaurant called the Flying Biscuit or something along that line. So are you guys Flying familiar Biscuit. with that? Flying Biscuit Cafe, my friend. Okay. They had, like, uh, baked macaroni and cheese, which was, like, out of this world, um, if I remember that correctly as well. Yep. And do they, they have multiple locations or – is that just a, a one-off spot that we happen to find? Flying Biscuit, I don't believe that they do, but, I mean, you want to talk about a couple of different places in the area that have some pretty good mac and cheese. You got some Pools Diner, which is Ashley Christensen, who's a real big, uh, you know, one of those uh, James, James Beard winners, right, um, and things like that. But Raleigh's actually turned into a very large foodie-type town as well, too, um, with – Southern comfort food. So you can come down. You're going to go home in a coma in a week, but we'll show you lots of good places to go and have fun. <laughs> so what what is your go-to food uh, down in that area? I've had the barbecue uh, when I toured around North Carolina, and it's a different sauce. It's not necessarily uh, your typical sweet uh, Casey masterpiece. They've got vinegars and they've got different kinds of things. But what's your guys' go-to food down there? The nice part is that it's, it is pretty eclectic. I mean, it is known for barbecue, right? Because there's so much transplant that's down here. I mean, like, there's a ton of Greek restaurants. There's a ton of um, really nice steakhouses, the Southern comfort food, like the soul food type stuff. You know, those are probably the ones that are bigger just to our area. Pool's Diner, right, is the one that I was trying to tell you about that had the um, the crazy mac and cheese. You come down, they don't have it on a chalkboard. You go in, and that's the deal, man. You get five things to pick, and you're not going to screw up with any of them. They're all fantastic, right? So, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. <laughs> you got it, my friend. It's heavy. Everything's heavy, right? So, um, good. I mean, it, food and then a bunch of breweries. It's turned into a huge brewery area um, as well, too, right? So, okay, we're going to go Chicago here. Um, best Italian beef in your area, or do you have to have it shipped in from Chicago? You'd have to have it shipped in from <laughs> Chicago. There's not really much of that no. here. I mean, I'm I'm a Portillo's guy from around that area and stuff like there that. There you right? go. You know, but yeah, we, you're not we, have a, <laughs> we have a Portillo's uh, out here not too far. It's just a little too far for me to go for lunch when I'm at the plant, uh, but not too bad when I'm looking to go get a dinner, uh, then I want something different. And is there going to be – you brought that up. Is that your favorite hot dog, or do you have some other kind of hot dog place that maybe is down there or back in Chicago? Well, I mean, there's hot dogs between the two different places. Grabo's a bit more of a hot dog aficionado than I am, but hot dogs at those two different places, they're not even remotely the same. Right. Down here, down here is a Snoopy's. It's a like a red hot hot dog. And if you say you want a hot dog, it comes with mustard, onion, and chili. And you don't have to say any of those things. That's just how your hot dog comes. That's what you get, unless you tell them otherwise. Um, whereas, obviously, in Chicago, it comes with a salad on top, right? So... 
Exactly, exactly. So you guys, the dogs then they're maybe similar to what's in the Cincinnati area, um, where Marty and I visited, and I took them to. I forget what the heck the name of it was, but it was they're like miniature hot dogs. And they're about half size. They had chili on them, and they had shredded cheese, and they were great for indigestion. <laughs> I didn't have, and guys, I didn't have one. He ordered a half a dozen of them, and he finished every single one. And I was gonna call the coroner. I figured he was going out in a stretcher. I couldn't believe he ate all six. The Snoopies here, yes, they're smaller hot dogs, and they usually stayed open until about four o'clock in the morning. And Grabowski might be well known for having a couple of drinks at a night and then ordering eight to ten of them. Um, kind of going from there, yes. And they're not as small as you're thinking, Marty. They're 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 not a terribly small hot dog. He's just hungry when he's been drinking. Oh boy, you're my hero. You're my hero. <laughs> and, and is there a pizza place? Since you, like, you can't eat that many. Yes. yes. <laughs> is there a Giordano's or is there a Lou Malinati's or uh, there was a there was a Nuno's in the area for a while. Okay. it just yeah. didn't last. Yeah, I'm not not a big fan. I've had that, and I just look and go, no, get me to where I can go to lose. Or, and, and there's a ton of pizza places that I just can't uh, recall. I like finding the hole-in-the-wall place and uh, dealing with that. But uh, I'll come down that way, and have to take me to this pools place, and I can check out the mac and cheese. That sounds good. Or the breakfast, lunch, and dinner. That sounds good as well. So um, I want to thank you very much for coming on and spending your time with us. It's uh, very helpful for us to reach out to our customers and to learn more about what's going on in their world. We want to thank everyone for listening in to another episode of Ask the Zamboni Experts podcast. Have a question for one of our experts or an idea for a future episode? Please email your questions or requests to info at Zamboni.com. For more info and additional podcast episodes, please visit Zamboni.com forward slash podcast or search Ask the Zamboni Experts on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. This is Doug Peters speaking for Marty Elliott, wishing you an ice day.